Welcome back to The Popular Parallax, a sci-fi limited series podcast hosted by our guest for this series, Milo Davinas, and me, Jerrica Lala. Be sure to subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Popular Parallax. And now... Join us on a nine-episode escapade through the epidemic-ridden hellscape of The Last of Us. Well, guess what? We're back. We're back again. I know all of our 12 listeners are pretty excited right now. And I have a new and lovely guest co-host, Milo DeVenus. Milo? Hi there, Jerrica. It's great to be here. Oh, good. (laughs) I'm very excited about the show we're going to be discussing on this limited podcast series, the new series on Crave, The Last of Us. I say Crave as in Canada, but it's HBO. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am so freaking excited about this show, and I've been waiting for months for it to arrive. This is just such a happy day. So interesting, because I kept sort of hearing things about it, but totally ignoring it, because <laughs> I thought, it's a game thing, I'm not going to know what's going on, mm-hmm. I don't care very much, and then everybody was just losing their shit. So I was like, okay, and then I talked to you, and you were just like, this is really good, so I watched the first episode, by the way, the first episode felt like five movies, but yeah. we'll get to that. And I watched the first episode, and I was like, okay. I guess I'm in. <laughs> I guess I'm into this grotesque, horrifying nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely takes you for a ride right from the get-go. And it's got, it's got a lot of the classic zombie tropes, for sure. But I'm just so excited about it because it's something I've never really seen zombies do. And, I mean, a big part of that is the mushroom angle, which, you know... Who doesn't love a fungus? I'm not a big gamer myself, but I do love zombie genre stuff. And I'd heard of The Last of Us video game, watched a splash eclipse online before, you know, thought it looked very cool, but I just don't really play a lot of games. But I love to watch zombie stories, especially long form zombie narratives. Right. (laughs) Right. You you get a zombie movie, you get sort of the highlight reel, and then, you know, Away you go. <laughs> World War Z. <laughs> garbage moment. Yes, get that out of my mouth. But um, <laughs> I thought the fun thing about this was that it's, it is a zombie genre, but it's not. Because mm-hmm. they're not, they're not the living dead. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they, the humanity's been completely erased and, and replaced by this viral fungi thing that wasn't supposed to be able to mix with humans but whoops Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and what i wonder is would people have been i mean i guess the game already was like the greatest game ever made like it's one of the best games ever but i'm just like the timing of this is interesting because i'm not sure if it had been pre-covid if it had got quite the interest from non-fans as it does now, because it's really, like, intriguing in a really dark, dark way. Because when I was watching the beginning, when that thing was going off in episode one, I just thought, this is like COVID times 5,000. Oh, for sure. 
and not just COVID, but also like the climate crisis as well. That cold yeah. opening from the first episode, just, you know, setting it in the 60s, not only do you get the fun stylistic element. A, di- but- a delightful John Hanna cameo. <laughs> Where exactly. he's like, let me explain to you what is about to happen mm-hmm. to the world. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Here we go. <laughs> and a little wink at the camera about how so often these disasters don't come out of left field, but are long time coming and not exactly easily predicted. But you can make an educated guess that something disastrous might happen if you don't pay attention to the science and you don't yeah. pay attention to, you know, this, that and the other. So that was also another like nice little warning. <laughs> that was ve- it was very intelligent to put that in and I'm not I don't have no idea if that's in the game or not but I love the like well sure it's impossible but what if everything got a, a degree or two warmer? Mm-hmm. And what if this and you're just like oh my god. Oh my yeah. god. Like yeah, I I I really like them setting that right in the cold open like like that because mm-hmm. it was all the it was all the setup you needed almost mm-hmm. to imagine the whole, like that would to me was scarier than what's really happening. Cause you're just like, Oh my God. Like, and it's, it is the same with COVID it's we're fucking with things we shouldn't be doing. And we're getting these weird diseases that we cannot handle. And this is just the sci-fi version of that, the horror version of that, but oh, mm-hmm. it follows a logic of its own. You For know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. That bit in the like first, um, you know, sequence where they're around the breakfast table and they hear it coming in on the news, I just, it gave me such intense flashbacks. I went on a, a trip with some friends from university and end of February 2020, and we were on a plane and we landed in the Costa Rican airport and there was sort of this just like very vague off in the corner sign that said, if you've been to China recently, please declare it. Yeah. And we're going to have to execute you. Yeah. Well, (laughs) so funny because at the time we were traveling, one of my friends was a nurse and she had heard, you know, some of the news traveling through the medical grapevine and that kind of stuff. But the rest of us were all sort of still in that headspace of, oh, it's somewhere far off on the other side of the world. Sure. And that kind of thing. And so when they had that little news blip on the radio where it was like, oh, Jakarta experiencing strange attacks, they weren't even tying it to the outbreak that was going to come in that case. But I was just like, oh, God, Uh, too much reality, too much reality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it really hits. (laughs) Oh, definitely. I do think, I mean, the further in we go, I have to say, I mean, there is a gaminess about it. Mm-hmm. To me, mm-hmm. there is a like, you know, I have to trade cigarettes to get this. And now I've now I've gotten that. And now let's explore every room from a point of view kind of perspective. So I, I do see that. Mm-hmm. But I also think the actors just carry it through and go, don't worry about that. Yeah. And that's what you need good people for anything that's this wild. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pedro Pascal was such perfect casting and i've seen that sort of be the reception for it from those who have played the game again i was only familiar in a very cursory way with like the character originally but gruff texan loner damage becomes father figure and pedro is just so he's just so dreamy 
<laughs> Look at that chunky, hunky face all over your <clears throat> screen. Give that to me, Jerry. <laughs> he, he's a beautiful man. And I've watched lots of interviews with him because, of course, I was a Game of Thrones fan and saw right. him with Oberyn. And, you know, there shouldn't be some people are always like, oh, wow, it's so different from who he is as a person. It's acting. That's what That's actors. That's what are an actor is. Yeah, but I mean, it's the it's it's interesting because so far, I mean, he's really. I mean, you saw a different side of him when life was normal, right? Mm-hmm. He was a dad, and you know, we'll get into you know the actually. I thought that girl was very good too. Mm-hmm. The girl playing the daughter, and she right. got some great action going to the neighbors. She goes over the neighbors when all this is starting, and that's the first real horror scene mm-hmm. that you get. Um, but she's great, but she tragically dies. Yep. Shot by the cops, of course, because uh-huh. what else is there? The poor, <laughs> the poor old, the, what's the, what's his actual name? It's J- Jake? No. What's, what's his name? <laughs> Pedro Pascal, the, the yeah, actor? He, no, Joel, no, no, Joel. no, in the show. Joel, Joel. Joel. He's mm-hmm. still thinking they can get, go somewhere. Like, we're going to Mexico. And she and she, the daughter's the one that says, I don't think there's anywhere, there's nowhere to run. Yeah. What are we going to do? And they end up in this whole, like, this blockade. Th- and then it, she gets shot at. And yeah. She dies. And it is, that is horrific. But then when we we, we plunge 20 years into the future... Mm-hmm. And he's really kind of a bad guy. Like mm-hmm. he has d- disintegrated into a, a very unpleasant character for good reason. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting because I did think that too. I mean, there is a, a scene where he, this, I might be jumping to the second episode. We're going to do episode one and two and just release them like this. Cause we're one week behind. <laughs> he punches a guy till he dies. Basically. Like he kills a guy with his, and I, I'm like, Oh, the Mandalorian would never. Oh, yes, he would. But the Mandalorian has a little baby, and it's a, it's a warmer, fuzzier feeling because it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. This is just yeah. vile, right? And even that that scene, like the, the what he put himself through to make him do that, was just. I guess anybody he has to get rid of who's not a zombie yet, he just pictures them killing his kid. Mm-hmm. And he literally tears them apart, and you're just like, "That's not healthy. <laughs> like that is not therapy, right there." That's a trauma. <laughs> that is really like he is messed up. Mm-hmm. And then he's with a woman. The actress actor is Anna Torv, and she's very good as well. I think she's a phenomenal. She's got to do a lot in a relatively short time frame. Spoiler alert. Yeah, she's got to set up a lot of character and background and the whole thing. Exactly. And she just has so much intrigue packed into her performance. We meet her in a very impressive moment, generally. Bruised, battered up, tied to a chair in a very dangerous situation. So that in and itself is already setting so much. But then the way she plays it is so just... I'm I'm so behind her already, and there's all this nuance coming through just her eyes and the way she navigates that situation, and then the way they play off each other, her and Joel. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it's interesting how she, because you're sort of like, they're kind of boyfriend and girlfriend, but then kind of like she, she says to these bad guys, she says, listen, 
this is my guy and he answers to me and he's going to do whatever the hell I say. And he does. Yeah. So he's kind of like her bodyguard slash hired muscle. But then mm-hmm. there's also sort of a relationship that's kind of mysterious. Yeah. We're not quite sure what's going on. Yeah. It's that lovers at the end of the world trope that you you see and it's so intriguing to watch because they're building intimacy with each other in this post-apocalyptic world and you don't want to get too attached because you get yeah. face eaten by a mushroom zombie. I feel like it's one of those, like, if it wasn't you, somebody else would do. Mm-hmm. There's they a just sort of make it work. Yeah. But I'll, let's talk a little bit about the setting of this 20 years forward. So they're in something called a quarantine zone. Mm-hmm. Somehow they both landed in Boston, even though he was in Texas and she was in Detroit. Mm-hmm. We don't know yet why or how this came about but the quarantine zone sounds like it's safe but it's not that's that scary thing right and they're under martial law too and that promise of safety and security quickly turns into that military crackdown lights out shot for walking the streets at a wrong hour kind of Thing. they're executing people by hanging like mm-hmm. out in the square it it reminded me in a weird way of like something like the chrysalids like windows yeah. because even though they go back literally to medieval times and they're just de- but these guys kind of are in medieval times they're just wearing modern clothing because that's all that's left mm-hmm. but they've gone like they've gone like 700 years back oh yeah and everything is a wreck I actually had more questions that I don't think I'm ever going to get answered because I was just like, I don't believe that living in these conditions, they'd even be in as good a shape as they are. Right. And they do look beat down and they don't have proper medical attention and stuff like they're taping up broken bones and stuff. But I'm just like, from what I'm gathering, like, I feel like the smell of human excrement would be everywhere. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like they'd be way dirtier than they even are, and everybody would stay like there's no plumbing. Yeah. There's no like it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare <laughs> because <laughs> even back so say in medieval times you had no plumbing, but you had like 20 acres of like you know what I mean? Like they're just like living now like now in these like tenement houses, but there's no cleanliness of any kind. Like I don't understand how they're functioning. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, everything's gone to quite literal shit in yeah. those walls. Well, and also, funny. like, you've got to think, like, anybody who had, like, say your bo- your baby's born and they have diabetes, they're dead. There's no, everything's just gone. Everything is gone. Mm-hmm. It is wild how they've they've set it up. It, it it's I think it's just more disturbing seeing it in a TV show than, like, in a video game. Right. Well, and I'm intrigued by how much is functioning within that that quarantine zone but also in between because we're sort of given hints right about these zones being set up and obviously there's this military power that i guess is the new incarnation of the u.s government or some supplement of it or whatever and i'm wondering how much are they communicating and i think there's a line somewhere in there about bullets being made and you know we do hear that ellie is going to school in the second episode so there's yeah. some sort of like a really shitty one she says exactly <laughs> yeah and there's hints that there's some sort of infrastructure still in play but obviously its primary purpose is to serve the military government and you see just how little the average person within the walls of the quarantine zone is actually 
cared for. And so the whole idea is supposed to be these safe havens, but they're really just slums and places yeah. where the people are gathered up to perform, I guess, menial tasks to support whoever's in power. And that's frightening as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I there's they also set up this thing about there's some kind of AM radio frequency that this mm-hmm. guy's taken over and he plays songs of different eras to signify different stuff and mostly it's about drug trading mm-hmm. like oh pedro is selling pills and stuff on the side to the mm-hmm. cops because i mean but of course i mean of everybody would be on drugs you're trying to alleviate the hell that you're in right so there's so he has some kind of whole trade line that he's working through to get these pills that for me wasn't entirely clear but mm-hmm. again i don't know the background Again, I was trying to keep my wits about me, trying to follow everything that was going on. Uh Um, But that's, you sort of get the feel like he and this lady are kind of like, they're powerful and kind of bad. There's a lot of gray scale going on in their characterization, which I think is something that HBO as a network has proven time and time again to be quite good at. I mean, obviously different showrunners for different shows, but that seems to be a forte of theirs in the modern television landscape is that we're not looking for gold crown heroes and evil snarking villains with, you know, lurking in the shadows, twirling their mustaches. We're getting this sort of not quite wholly good, not quite wholly bad mixture that I think is much more true to life. Right. So it's so interesting watching these people just trying to survive in this hellscape that's, supposed to be the safer hellscape between the yeah, two. Yeah, than just running out in the field or what, or in this open city or what have you, right? Exactly. So they're, they're in this, quote, protected area, but you could still run into one of these sick people. Like, they're not totally protected. That was the other thing. I was just like, what? Like, this is not that safe. Yeah. It's, it's safer, but it's not safe. You could still get attacked. Exactly. It's the monsters outside the gate versus the monsters within the gate. And from what I've seen in the conversations about the game itself and then in the weeks to come on the show, that's very much a central theme to this is that, sure, you've got mushroom-faced zombies running about, but many of the villains in this narrative are going to be human beings. Humans, yeah, not sick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do we, we see Ellie in the first episode, but we don't know her deal. And I was just like, not this girl. It took me, it was driving me crazy. I was just like, who is that weird girl with a weird little flat face? How do I, who have I seen that before? And then I was like, not another Game of Thrones. There she is. Not another one. Mm -hmm. This must be her revenge because she died shitty on that show. I wasn't happy with that. But who was happy with anything that happened in the last couple episodes? Well, <laughs> Nobody. Self died a horrible yeah. death. Yeah. That's that's fodder for a whole different podcast, isn't it, Jared? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So I did figure it out without looking it up because that face is the same. It, she's just older, but she's mm-hmm. not that much. She's I don't know how old she really is, but I think on Game of Thrones she was also older than they perceived her. To uh, like, I think she was supposed to be nine or ten on Game of Thrones, and she was probably like 
12 or 13. She's yeah. just she's just little. Yeah, not too far off. Her name is Bella Ramsey. And how old is she? I'm looking it up now. They Okay. So that's like 20 this year. Yeah, but, but they say, they're saying she's 14 on the show. And yeah. she does she looks at she looks yeah. like a kid, right? And she's I mean, we know she she hasn't doesn't get much to do in the first episode. She doesn't say much. Mm-hmm. They and the these people, there's this uh, we find out there's this other band of people called Fireflies. Mm-hmm. And they're like freedom fighters. And mm-hmm. we get more of that in a second, but they kind of just take her. Yeah. And put her in a room. And you're just like, wow, why are they they're imprisoning this? child that they just found sort of walking around mm-hmm. like kind of helpless i think that she's supposed to be connected to the main person of the firefly i think their daughter her daughter and ellie were in a relationship and got there isn't too much of this explored yet in the tv show yeah but from what i remember reading i think there there is that sort of connection and Marlene, that's the name of the leader of the Fireflies. I think her daughter and Ellie were in a relationship at school. Okay. And there's some sort of background connection. And there's a link between her and how Ellie first got infected. And by her, I mean Marlene's daughter, who we haven't seen on screen yet. Okay. So she's, remember- we think she's still alive? I wouldn't bet on anyone. <laughs> like, God alive. knows. <laughs> Probably not. This is Mar- this is as bad as Game of Thrones. You're just like dead, dead, dead. Oh, like, yeah. oh my god! Yeah. Don't expect your faves to make it even a couple episodes in. No. Mind. <laughs> Good lord! Yeah, and I mean, I think I think Marlene mentioned the daughter by name in one of her scenes in the first episode with Ellie. There's when Ellie yeah. sort of you know chained there, and oh, I can't remember the name of the daughter now. But that was that's what makes it more fun when she yeah. finally. I think there was just so much information flying. I was trying so hard to figure out everything that was going on that I actually missed some stuff, but I don't want to watch the first episode again because I was I had to watch it over like two nights because I was finally like, hey, I gotta go to bed. Like, how long is this fucking thing? It was was a cinematic length. It was. I feel like it was like an hour and a half at least. Yeah. HBO has started doing this, I've noticed, with a lot of their um, properties. And I think it's a good thing for the introductory episodes and then sometimes for the season finales too, yeah right? no it's i don't mind them being flexible but i was like chop chop guys come on like I, I i did find that after the opening like modern day sequence or not modern the past sequence 2003 where things were normal and then you saw them it all go very quickly it took a little while after that for my interest to start rekindling like i felt like there was a bit of a dead patch there mm-hmm just a little too much of like Pedro walking around being a cool guy. And I was just like, okay, like, and no, nothing against him. I just found like, let's go, like, let's get something happening. Yeah. Because I just found it was a long setup in that quarantine zone where I sort of got it like maybe five minutes earlier than when it was actually cut to. Uh-huh. But that's a little thing. I just, I would be looking in a show that long to where I could snippy snip. It was long. Yeah. 
And I wonder if that's going to be a symptom of it being a video game based story. Now, I know the person. That's who- what I was thinking exactly, Milo. Like, because I was just like, now he trades this and now he gets that. Like, it, it was very, it, it did give me game vibe. Yeah. And the showrunner is the person who created and wrote the video game initially. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's probably going to be positive for the most part. And he'll be looking, I think, for ways to expand the narrative. And some of them will be, I'm sure, very, like, exciting action sequences or very, like, dramatic character moments. But there is probably going to be a little bit of padding. And we might get a few more scenes of brooding Pedro Pascal as Joel. Oh, they will. They can't help themselves. They're like, look, look at this guy. And I'll this watch guy. him brood. The camera, the camera loves this guy, even though he's old. They've made him <laughs> old. Older. Yes. Older, I don't want to say old, but they grade him out and everything because it's been like they started him as he really is in 2003. Yeah. So it's been 20 years. So he's, he's actually not looking bad considering how nasty the living conditions are. It's a tough guy. Yeah. If I were in my earliest 50s in a zombie apocalypse, I would probably have no limbs. I would be gone. I'd be yeah. gone. I'd just be one be of gone. those zombie people just crawling around, be horrible. I do think they really did nail casting and not just with him with kind of everybody we've come across so far has been quite strong. Excellent casting. Yeah. And a lot of people from what I've seen online, weren't so sure about Bella Ramsey as um, Ellie, yeah. which I think probably it looked like a lot of them were like, Oh, she's British. So she can't do it. Which is so absurd funny. in my mind, but yeah. people don't know with acting what people can do. But she's really pulling it off. And their chemistry is so great between yeah. Joel and Ellie. It's excellent. And I could watch that unfold for nine episodes, no problem. Yeah. They were <laughs> like, just pretend she's Grogu. And he was like, I get you. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Sign up. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I do now. I walk around with a child and save the child. And you're like, great, you're hired. Yeah, come on down. You've yeah. done it already with The Mandalorian. You're going to yeah. do a great job here. It's going to be a whole shtick. Now, Jerrica, do you feel excited for the rest of the season? I do. I'm very curious to see how it's going to go. Something in me tells me it's not going to, like, even at the end, it's not going to be good. But we'll see. Yeah. Maybe I'll be surprised. I mean, they're trying to sort of, we'll get into episode two, because we've only got a few more minutes left in this episode, mm-hmm. but they're trying, I feel like, to set up a little grain of hope, but I don't buy it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't buy it, Milo. I don't We're buy it. are going to choke on that grain <laughs> like, real good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about that, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. If there's one thing I know about zombies, it's there's never going to be a happy-go-lucky episode well the world's already destroyed right Mm -hmm. so that's the tough part you're like everything that we that was hard for me to actually take in Mm -hmm. is that everything we've ever valued as like buildings art history Mm -hmm. science it's gone and that is a tough pill to swallow even watching it i'm like i can't quite get my head around this like this is really difficult to comprehend for me it yeah it's the complete collapse of current civilization and i think for a lot of us envisioning what life looks like outside of contemporary society to that degree is still so hard to get your head around yeah and 
Part of the thing that I think people really like about zombie apocalypse, despite the devastation and despite the grimness of it all and the horror, is that it shows that people can survive. And not superhero people either. These zombies are kind of super strength compared to the slow shambling Night of the Living Dead style. But they're not like super strength, super smart predators ravaging the world they're survivable and so i think a lot of people look to zombie fiction for that weird kind of hope that even after all of the things in society are destroyed the average person with a little luck and a little common sense can possibly get through we might make it yeah we might build something else and i think that's always been a message that's been attractive to people and especially after covid and you know with the climate crisis happening and all of these contemporary issues that makes it even more appealing and like you said just moments ago it's the right time for a show like this (laughs) if you want to crush people with depression yes exactly but in that depression maybe like a sousson but it it, it's yeah and it but it does spark interest like you you can't like I kept thinking about that first episode, like for the next couple days, mm-hmm. and that means it's good because when I think something's sort of light and fluffy, I usually end up sort of it's gone after mm-hmm. you know a day or two. You're just like, oh, that was cute, but you're not, you know. Yeah. And this one, I I I did. I kept like I kept thinking about questions, mm-hmm. like what about this, and what do they do if this happens, and how did this get like this, and what you know what I mean, like in that twenty year span. What was that like? Yeah. Right? Like, how long did this take to happen? Did it happen like that? Or did this happen over a span? Like well, exactly. Yeah. There's it's- so much space for, like, well, I'm sure, you know, everything these days has to be franchisable. So I'm sure that that gap, which was already, I think, built into the original narrative, has this potential for spinoffs, prequels, even just the flashback potential for the current series is- <laughs> Huge. Let's make and a prequel. All, let's yeah. let's yeah, let's all watch that. I'm sure there's nine in the go already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> spin-offs. Yep. Spin-offs with everybody. We're gonna end this episode on a hopeful note for episode two. Mm-hmm. And I will talk to you in just a few minutes. Okay, Milo. <laughs> see you soon, Jerica. <laughs> all right, see ya. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Popular Parallax Limited Series Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Popular Parallax. Episode produced by Anne Meehan. Theme song by Ken Chamberlain. We'll see you next time. And remember... Daddy is a state of mind, you know what I'm saying? I'm your daddy. <laughs>